Hi, sports fanatics. We are Luca Vitalik. Ryan Walterman. And Ben Schmidt. Let us introduce you to a weekly favorite sports podcast on KCOU 88.1 FM. On Around the Wave, several guests and us provide you the most thorough Mizzou sports coverage. Also, NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL coverage where we debate. Healy's hero right here is Jordan Bennington, and he's kind of just been the story all year. But uh, in the last couple of games, besides the Coyotes game and the Avalanche game, he's he's looked like his 2019 form, I would say. First of all, you are misinforming the American public. That's number one. Number two, everything you just said is absolutely blasphemous. Okay? Everything you just said. Jordan Bennington's looking like his old self. Provide legendary list. Number five on my list, the Los Angeles Chargers. Why? They snatched its long-term solution on the O-line and Rashawn Slater. He's offering, he's going to offer reliable protection for Justin Herbert, which we saw he was a star last season. And give bold predictions. If I'm being honest, even with all the new talent that the New York Giants added on offense, I still think they fail with Daniel Jones at the helm and he's reduced nothing more than a backup within the next few years. So join us every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Central Time on KCOU 88.1 FM. We hope to see you there. And good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. And welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, the student voice of your Missouri Tigers. I'm your host, Luca Vitale, and alongside me are my co-hosts, Ben Schmidt and Ryan Walterman. How are we doing this morning, fellas? Doing fantastic. Excited for the first show after coming back from break. We've only got a couple more left. I'm doing warm, and it's December. That doesn't add up. Speaking of that, it's supposed to be 70 degrees today, so it's going to be good. Before we get rolling here, first things first is some news on Mizzou sports. Mizzou football just finished its regular season at an even 500 in two straight season under seasons Excuse me, under Eli Drinkwitz. After going 5-5 five and five last season, the Tigers finished this season with a 34-17 loss at Arkansas, dropping the 2021 record to 6-6 six six of ahead of the bowl game. Mizzou men's basketball struggled to overcome a slow start in the first half, 14 points, last night's game against Liberty, thus erasing their tenacious tenaciousness in the second half, but it wasn't enough as they lost that one, 66-45 against Liberty. Mizzou women's basketball annihilated SIUE last night with a 79-46 victory with efficient passing, adjusting, and overall taking care of business. They will be put to the test on Saturday as they take on number 5 Baylor. Great indicator, guys. How good this Tiger squad is. They're 8-0 right now, so we will see if they're ready to compete with the best in the game. All right, to to, uh, start today's show, we're going to start with college football. Something that we usually do not start the show with, unless it's Mizzou, but we're going to start something different. So, goodbye college football regular season and hello college football conference championship weekend. Number one, Georgia has all but clinched a spot in the college football playoff, but number three, Alabama, will look to secure its own spot this coming weekend in the 2021 <clears throat> excuse me, SEC championship game. <clears throat> the Bulldogs is, are the only undefeated team this season in the conference, while the Crimson Tide sits with a record of 11-1. Their only losses against the Texas A&M Aggies. While Alabama has held a six-game winning streak dating back to 2008, Georgia has never made those wins, guys, easy ones for the Crimson Tide. Georgia is coming off a 45 to nothing beatdown of rival Georgia Tech, while Alabama is coming into Atlanta riding a quadruple overtime Iron Bowl victory at Auburn. So, Ryan, I'll start with you here. Will 
Alabama upset the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. So with, so with Nick, Nick Saban, you can never really be sure, right? Because he's just been hit so talented of a coach, and he knows what's on the line. They almost lost to Auburn last week. Obviously, they won, so we, there's not much to talk about there. But if they lost, they uh, obviously the season would have been over. But um, both these quarterbacks are very good. Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett are very, very talented. And then for Alabama, though, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. was a little tweaked up in this last game. So they're going to uh, lean on their uh, other running back which, you know, he's not bad either for them. I know that he just came back uh, for Alabama, so it'll be exciting to see what Nick Saban does with that. Um, but then for Georgia, George Pickens is back, and he's been one of the best wide receivers for them. I know he was injured for a decent amount of time. He tore his ACL uh, during the spring, but he's back, and I think Stetson Bennett and him are going to be able to hook up a lot during this game. I think the game is actually going to be close because Alabama knows that they need to be better than they were against Auburn, against this Georgia team, so I I do seeing it be close, but ultimately, I do think Georgia's going to get it done. I think Georgia has just has a better defense. They've been solid all year, obviously undefeated, haven't lost yet. And then at, this is a team that they're facing in Alabama who literally barely beat Auburn and then got upset by Texas A&M this year. So it really kind of just depends on which Alabama team Saban has out there. But I think Alabama knows what's on the line. They're going to have to show up. But ultimately, I think Georgia does get it done. I'll say they win by three, so Alabama does cover the spread. But I think Georgia does win by three. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, go ahead, Ben. No, so I'm I'm excited for this game. I do think there's a, a decent amount of intrigue here, just because. And I hate to play this card, but Georgia, we don't necessarily know how how they will match up against a team like Bama because they did dodge a lot of the better teams in the SEC this year. Their schedule, when you look at it, it's 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 not very good. Their their strength of competition. So, um, the, regardless of that, though, this Georgia defense is awesome. It's a it's historically good defense. We've talked about that all year long, and especially going to that Mizzou-Georgia game a couple weeks ago. And the thing I'm, I'm most worried about for Alabama is the quarters one through three last week against Auburn. Bryce Young was under duress immediately. Um, there was a reason there was really no ability to get anything going on offense those first three quarters. It's because that Alabama offensive line could not handle the Auburn defensive line. And Saban even mentioned that going into halftime last week that there was no protection. And if the offensive line for Bama is anywhere near that bad, it's going to be even worse for Bryce Young because they're facing a better defensive line in Georgia with multiple NFL-level talents on it. So that's a big worry for me from Bama's standpoint. Um, another thing, too, is Bama has squeaked out some wins this season against lesser opponents, teams that you're used to seeing them just run away with. I mean, you can look at two-point win last week against Auburn. They only won by six at home against LSU. Two-point win against Florida, which now that, that same Florida team has fired their coach. And, and Mizzou um, won. Mizzou beat that team. <laughs> did Florida did Florida win last week? Is Florida yeah, they to, won. Okay, so they're going <laughs> to bowl game. Regardless, a lot of squeaky wins for this Bama team, so that worries me as well. Um if you want to look at history, Bama does have that on their sides. Um, up until this year, a, f a former Saban assistant had never beaten Saban until Jimbo Fisher did it earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I think win number two happens this year, that being Kirby Smart, another former Saban assistant. I, I think it's just going to be too overpowering on both offense and defense for Bama. I, I think we could see this game be close for three, three or four quarters, but I'm taking a 7-10 to 10 point victory for Georgia. All right. <clears throat> First of all, the roll tide is going to lose this game, okay? It's Alabama. Not Alabama. Alabama. You got to say it like that. First of all, this is a team that gets Auburn for 58 minutes and 25 seconds. Exactly what you said, Ben. They were a mess out there. They looked like a team that had absolutely no clue what the hell was going on out there, okay? On the road, nothing was going right for this Crimson Tide team offensively. 
I mean, Bryce Young's Heisman Trophy hopes circling the drain. You got Brian Robinson Jr. struggling to move the chains. Defense played well, don't get me wrong. But the offense was actually threatening to score three or fewer points in the first time during the Nick Saban era. That's how really bad it was. I watched that game, and it was bad. Yes, we saw Bryce Young rallying the troops at the end of the fourth quarter, or as we expected, to get to overtime. We understand that. But it doesn't change the fact that Auburn exposed a vulnerable Alabama team the week before they play Georgia. That does not help the cause. The real issue here for Alabama is a couple of things. Well, I'm going to just start with this. The offensive line. They gave up seven sacks in a total of 17 plays for zero negative yards last weekend against Auburn. I'm not saying Auburn's a scrub team. I'm just saying they ain't a top team. They ain't a top team. So let's get really clear with this here. They're not a top team, and they struggled against Georgia. But I'm going to get into the defense here for Georgia because Georgia is absolutely phenomenal. This is not just good. This is legendary good, okay? It is one thing to have a good defense, right? It's another thing to have the best defense in the nation, okay? And then it is entirely different to have one of the best defenses in recent history. Let's start with the present, shall we? They have given up only 83 points in 12 games. 83 points! That averages out to 6.9 points a game. That is less than a touchdown and an extra point per game. We saw Mizzou only got six points against Georgia. We saw that. Historically speaking, Georgia's defense is even better than current statistics would even indicate. Okay? No team in history, or excuse me, it's not, has not allowed, has not been better than Alabama since 2011, which... They gave up 8.2 points that ga- that year, the Crimson Tide. Georgia's only averaging 6 points. They're only giving up 6.9 points a game. So this is insane. They are the best in the SEC in terms of rushing yards. They only give up about 79 rushing yards a game. And they only give up about 151 passing yards a game. So there is no clear path what Alabama should do against this Georgia team because there is no clear uh, weakness that this Georgia team possesses. So then I want to get into their running game. We understand Stetson Ryan, like you said. He's not something that you would say like, whoa, this dude's like a Heisman winner. He's not him. He's efficient, though. He's efficient. He has a really good passer rating. He has a re- he does great job completing his passes. He probably I think he has actually the best passer rating in the SEC. You can double check that for me. But JT Daniels has been out with an oblique injury and he never regained a starting position. That's fine. Georgia defense has done its job. Then you got the running game here. It's not one, not two. Three good running backs. You got Kenny McIntosh. You got James Cook. You got Zamir White. These dudes, they are phenomenal. All of them are averaging over five yards a carry. So when you look at that and and how they can run block as well as anybody else, they've only given up eight sacks this year, that is ridiculous. Their offensive line deserves credit. We need to give credit where it's due to the running backs, and we need to give credit where it's due for Stetson, who has filled in for JT Daniels and looked very efficient. All in, in totality, Kirby Smart has done a really good job with this old-school philosophy, basically saying that defenses can win championships. So far, he's been right. He has a run game, he has a defense, and he has a, an average quarterback. So, so far, he's been right, 
And I think Georgia is going to take down the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban's going home. I do want to say I would be very worried as a Georgia fan if they fall behind, let's say, 10 nothing even. Because then Alabama can really pin their ears back. And not that I don't think Stetson Bennett can do it, but there he has not once this season had to play from play catch up, play from behind like that. You're right. You're so right. So that gives me a little bit of concern, but there's also a, a very good chance that Georgia scores first and never never looks back. What I'm trying to tell you is this Alabama team, I mean, we're saying Alabama is historically bad and they're eleven and one. I yes. mean, that's really hard yes. to say that because when you're eleven and one, you're usually a pretty good team. This is Saban. This is bad to Saban. Is an eleven and one Michigan. Team, this is their best season in recent memory. Exactly. They, they, this and they is their just first beat Ohio time. State. Yeah, this is their year. So. Exactly. And it's so when you opposite. look at this, the reason I'm concerned for Alabama mostly is how they looked last weekend against Auburn. They looked garbage. They look like garbage. If they go in and just roll uh, Auburn last week in the Iron Bowl on the road, I think it's a completely different kind of oh, mindset. They're going right to get killed. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to make my score prediction here. I'm going to say Georgia is going to drop 40. On this Alabama team, it's going to be forty seventeen. I'm going. I'm going thirty one twenty one Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with my three. I'm actually going to go. Let's say forty five to forty two. It's crazy, but I, I, yeah, I'm telling what? you, man. It's they, they've averaged, they, they've given you. up six points again. Now all of a sudden that they're yeah. they're going to turn out like that. It's happening, baby. Well, Believe. it can happen. I'm not saying it won't. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to the next intriguing team. The fifth edition of the college football playoff rankings was released this past Tuesday night with Alabama and Cincinnati. Cincinnati taking the final two spots, entering a weekend of conference championship games. The Bearcats at 12-0 with two Power 5 wins remain the first group of five program to be placed among the top four in the college football program rankings. Cincinnati, guys, has made history all season as the highest-ranked group of five program in the process but now have a legitimate opportunity to make the playoffs. Ben, I'll start with you here. Can the Bearcats sneak their way into the playoffs? I think they can. I don't even think it's going to be a, a sneak their way. And I, I truly believe if Cincinnati gets a win this week against number 21 Houston, I think they are firmly locked in regardless of what Bama, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State do. Um, so Cincinnati, 10.5-point favorites this weekend at home against Houston. This is another really good opportunity for them against a ranked team to put on a show. Um, they, it's, it's not been pretty this year against some lesser teams, but regardless, they're still undefeated. Um, it, won't be another, it won't be an easy matchup this week, but I think they get it done. The biggest thing is now that they're, they're in, well, first of all, they got some help with Ohio State going down a couple other teams, but now that Cincinnati's in, I just can't see if they win another game this weekend to finish undefeated. How you could then take them back out? That's the. It may be a different story if they are number five seed right now, and you're after just if I put them in. But now that they're in, I can't see any way that they go back out, regardless of what happens. Um, the biggest thing for Cincinnati is if a team like Bama wins, that hurts their chances a little bit because then obviously Bama and Georgia are both in. But um, right. if if Georgia wins, like we believe they will, and I, I still oh I believe it. Yes, it's at, that's what helps Cincinnati the most. Um, I think Cincinnati's game against SMU a couple weeks ago helps them a lot as well because that was not a bad SMU team. That was a, that was a good offensive scoring team, mm-hmm. and Cincinnati just took it to them. That game was never close. Um, Desmond Ritter put on an absolute show that game on the ground and through the air. So that, I think, is a little bit in the committee's mind. Another thing, too, that helps Cincinnati is the committee basically said on Tuesday that Notre Dame not having a head coach is going to hurt their chances, which is another checkmark for Cincinnati. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to help. Th- so um, there's a lot of factors that – 
earlier in the season we said were hurting Cincinnati, I think have all really turned their way heading into this final game of the season. And I think if if obviously if Cincinnati does not beat Houston, it's it's over. Their season's done. But in any capacity, if if they pull off a win to finish undefeated, win the conference against Houston and a ranked team going into this game, I don't think there's any debate that they'll be one of the final four. Yeah, I can I can agree with you there. Yeah. Um, I think Cincinnati will win this game. In matter of fact. Um, I can see. So this is not even a Cinderella story anymore. This is a good team. This is no Cinderella story. So we understand that Houston's a really good team defensively as well. Actually, um, yeah, they dropped their first game of the year, but they won 11 straight. So let's not uh, let's not be hyperbolic here. But um, obviously, there's a lot of focus on the Cincinnati's offense. But the real star of this team is actually the defense. They've only given up only about 16 points a game. When I look at this team, obviously we look at Riddler as the quarterback. We look at Pierce. Alec Pierce is their top wide receiver. We look at him too. But obviously I like to look at their linebacker, Joel DeBlanco. This dude is something special. He gets to the quarterback. He's able to he's able to use his strength to break through that offensive line to get to the quarterback. He's able to tackle people. Either you're not getting passes through. It's just that simple to me. And then you got other dudes that are able to get to the quarterback and Darian Beavers. This dude is special as well. This is a really good team. They're able the secondary creates havoc for opposing quarterbacks, and I believe that's what's going to happen this weekend. And obviously. They have a good running game, this team, too. You look at Jerome Ford. I think he's really had a good season. He's already surpassed 1,000 yards. Um, I mean, and then you also got you got to worry about their quarterback, like I said, Desmond Riddler. This is somebody that can throw the football. He's already surpassed. He has 3,000 yards on the season. And then he also can run with the football. He has 342 rushing yards a season. So this is someone that is a dual-threat quarterback. He can beat you on the ground and move the chains. He can beat you in the air and move the chains. So that's two different things you have to worry about if you're the Houston Cougars defense. I'm taking Cincinnati. Yeah, so let's talk about Cincinnati. Obviously, they're one of the top offenses in the country. Uh, in the conference, they have th- they average around 39.6, 40 points per game. And then, li- like you said, Ben, they've scored over 40 points in six ga- in six games. So, obviously, what I've been hearing about, through watching all these sports and stuff is Cincinnati just has to win, and they're in. And I, I believe they will win. This Houston team is going to be tough, but I do believe they'll win. The problem with this is now, do I say Cincinnati is going to score 40 points on them like they have been? I'm saying. No to that. I don't think so either. I think they'll get 35, and I think that Houston's going to get 28. Um, I still think it's going to be a really good game, though. Obviously, Cincinnati's facing a good opponent here in Houston. And then Houston obviously has the junior quarterback in Clayton Toon, who obviously leads their team. He's completed 69% of his passes for 3,013 yards, and he has 26 passing touchdowns. So obviously, Mm -hmm. he's someone that you can't really overlook. He's going to be good. And then uh, they have a really good freshman running back at Alton McCaskill, who has 162 carries for 844 yards. So they're looking to be leaning on him, but obviously just a freshman. It'll be exciting to see what happens. I still think Cincinnati, obviously being in this game, wanting to knowing what the option is if they win, they're going to go out here. They're going to get. They're going to take care of business, and they are going to move on to the college football playoffs. Yeah, I want to bring up this really quick before we move on Mm -hmm. because. 
the committee realized they don't really want Cincinnati. They would oh, much rather of course put an we SEC, can all say that. They would much rather put an SEC team in there. Exactly. SEC team in there. Exactly. Would it surprise you whatsoever? Let's say Cincinnati finishes undefeated, and then um, Georgia wins, and Oklahoma State wins their game. So Oklahoma State finishes with one loss and gets the last spot. Okay. It would not shock me whatsoever if Oklahoma State <laughs> jumps to three and they put Cincinnati at four, so Cincinnati can get killed by Georgia, and then they can say, "Oh, well, now we have to put. We don't have to put another non-power five team in again because look what happened." I will say this. I will say this. Cincinnati has to win this game. Oh, yeah. No, obviously. If they do not win this game, they're not. It's over. Oh, I mean, you're not going to put a non-power five, non-conference one-loss team. But if they do, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if a one-loss Oklahoma State were to jump them to three despite not being undefeated just because they want... They want that Georgia Cincinnati matchup. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um that's it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Cincinnati because Houston's offense is really good, like Ryan told us. And I think their defense is really good too. Um I'm gonna say Cincinnati's gonna get thirty five. I'm gonna say thirty five. 31 in this game. It's going to be close. I, th- I think it's close as well. Um, I'm taking Cincinnati by a touchdown. I th- the 30-point range just makes sense for this game. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see the the over-under for this one, so I don't necessarily know oh, what, what, predicting, <laughs> what they are predicting. But I'm going to go somewhere in the range of like 31-24. I, I believe that's the best the best one because like like both of you said, um, just looking at the defense, that shouldn't be a high scoring shootout, but you never know. Hey Ben, Cincinnati by ten and a half. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what do you think, Ren? Yeah. So um, I obviously think the thirty point margin is really good. I just don't see Houston reaching that margin, so I'm gonna get them twenty eight. But I'm gonna go Cincinnati thirty five here, just because I do think Cincinnati needs to take care of business here. And obviously, Ben, I would not be shocked either if Oklahoma State does edge them out for the third spot. But I mean, thirteen and zero. I know that as a sports fan, the records really don't matter. I I always was brought up thinking thirteen and zero is gonna be better than twelve and one, but that's not how the committee plays it. So I would not be shocked at all if they move Oklahoma State to number three and then move. Cincinnati to four, but honestly, I think Cincinnati should be three, but we'll see what happens. I think Cincinnati gets it done Saturday, though. All right, lots of college football to watch tomorrow, so be sure to tune in for those games. Uh, We're going to head to a break, and when we get back, NFL coverage on KCOU 88.1 FM. We'll be right back. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Ladies up in here tonight. No fighting. We got the refugees No fighting. No fighting. Shakira, Shakira. I never really knew that she could dance like this. And welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Yeah, Lucas, so obviously we just had a nice, nice little Thanksgiving break here where we saw some teams win, some teams lost. But obviously we're going to go off of the list from two weeks ago, which was would have been week 11. And if you don't remember, folks, at five we had the New England Patriots. At four we had the Buffalo Bills. At three we had my Green Bay Packers. At two we had Dallas Cowboys. And at one we had the Tennessee Titans. Now I know, Luca, this is from two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously there has to have been some shifting. So what do we got coming up here for, I believe it's week 12? now 
Yeah, it, it, is it week 13 or maybe week week 12? You're right. I'm sorry. Um, there, it, the, the list is fluid. <laughs> so, obviously, they're shifting, and there's teams getting out and teams going in. I, I'm, re- I'm ready to be scrutinized. I don't care what anyone says. Let's go to number five, please. Give it to me. The Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Their defense has elevated its performance. They got their mojo back with Chris Jones getting to the quarterback and the Honey Badger creating havoc in the secondary. And they limited the best offense in football, those Dallas Cowboys, to only nine points and intercepted Dak Prescott twice. They are first in the AFC West. They've won four straight. Patrick Mahomes looks like he's back. He's not playing hero football anymore, but he's settling for those shorter passes, managing the clock and moving the chains. They are utilizing the running game more with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Darrell Williams. Credit to Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, for making those adjustments. And Travis Kelce, you got Tyreek Hill, you got McCole Hartman, and don't forget about Demarcus Robinson in the wide wide receiver position. They're making plays and they're moving the chains too to score points in the Kansas City Chiefs. They are a top five team in the National Football League right now. Let's go to number four, please. Give it to me. The New England Patriots. Why? They have won six straight. They've taken over the AFC West right now. They are on the Buffalo Bills heels as they play them on Monday Night Football. We will see who's best this upcoming week. This is the best coaching job we have seen from Bill Belichick in his career. Coach of the year candidate, I must add in my book. We have to show some love towards the offensive coordinator and Josh McDaniels for a balanced rush and pass attack. Mac Jones has improved Every single week, he's thrown for 310 yards and two touchdowns against the Tennessee Titans last weekend, and he found seven di- different receivers doing that. You got a, you got some effective receivers on the outside in Kendrick Bourne. You got Jacoby Myers. You got Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry in the tight end position. Janu Smith is back, and that defense is something special. They're fourth against the pass in the NFL, and they showed that against Ryan Tannehill, limiting him below 100 passing yards and intercepting him. J.C. Jackson, my guy, Defensive player of the year candidate, Judon. You got McCourty. You got Kyle Mc, uh, McVenoy. And those dudes, they are something special to watch. Let's get to the top three. Number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why their defense against the run? It has looked phenomenal throughout the season. Just their, their run, their defense against the run. It is the best. They stopped Jonathan Taylor last past weekend while they're secondary. It is still suspect with Winfield Jr. and Golston just getting burned on a couple occasions. Did you see Leonard Fournette last weekend against the Colts? He rushed for 100 yards for three touchdowns, and he caught another touchdown in the past game. This offense becoming more balanced and less reliant on Tom Brady. Yes, the past game, it is still potent. Top 10 in the NFL. Brady's still flinging that football to Chris God when you got Mike Evans, you got Rob Gronkowski, who is a stud at catching and blocking Cameron Bray. Antonio Brown's going to be out for a little while as he's got suspended for a fake Vax card and firing on all cylinders. This offense is just bringing these dudes to the table. Let's go to number two, please. The Arizona Cardinals. How about Colt McCoy subbing in for the injured Kyler Murray and looking outstanding, winning two of his three starts. Murray will be back most likely this weekend. Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, who's been out for a couple of games, he should be back. Their weapons, their solid receivers. You got A.J. Green with DeAndre Hopkins as he's going to come back with the, your lethal weapons. You got Christian Kirk. Use it. You got Zach Ertz in the tight end position. Your backfield is dominant. It's just, it's been decimated because Chase Edmonds is hurt on the IR and you got, you got, you got to be less relying on them. However, Kyler Murray can step in. They are the best team in the National Football League, plus their defense for being opportunistic. It's the quarterback. Chandler Jones, I'm talking to you. Rushing off the edge and getting to the quarterback. I'm talking to Isaiah Simmons as they got speed on the defensive side of the
side of the ball. They are just firing on all cylinders, and they're putting everybody on notice. But they ain't better than this team. Number one, the Green Bay Packers. Why they have a realistic chance at the number one seed in the NFC. Did you see how prolific that offense was against the Los Angeles Rams defense? Absolutely carving them up the middle. You got Devontae Adams with over 100 receiving yards. Aaron Rodgers, elite managing the clock, distributing the ball effectively to his receivers and Adams. You got Lazard, you got Velda Scantling, you got Ron, Randall Cobb. Their backfield and Dylan and Jones, they are struggling right now, but they will be up to speed real soon. Don't worry. Their defense is still elite, even without Jair Alexander in the secondary. Dudes like Douglas and Clark, they have stepped up. Adrian Amos, he's been great in the secondary. Got to give credit where it's due. They have held 16 to 20 points or less in the season. And by the way, they did beat the Cardinals earlier in the season when there were three receivers on the, on the uh, excuse me, the Packers hurt. There's my top five list. I thought this this list was about as good as it gets. Uh, I appreciate I, it. I, I would totally agree where you had all the top five this week. If, if I'm just looking at it from a, a like listener standpoint, one team I think will be brought up is maybe the Ravens not being in there. But I agree with you for that because the Ravens have done nothing to impress. Lamar the Jackson just threw four interceptions. Yeah, they're winning ugly, and I guess you can give them some praise because they're finding ways to win. But they're they're the number one seed in the AFC right now. But do I trust them in the playoffs? No, I really don't. They're they're winning in ways that I don't think can get you wins in the playoffs. So that's that's just one thing I wanted to bring up. I I like that you didn't have them in there because right now I don't believe that they're a top five team despite what the despite what the standings say. Green Bay in my eyes right now is also the number one team in football. That win against the Rams on Sunday was very impressive. I know Stafford has never played well in Lambeau, but that's a really good Rams team. And they dropped, what, 36 on them? So that was an impressive win for them. Cardinals are going to get rolling here, too, now that they're finally getting healthy. Not that they haven't been rolling already, but they're going to keep that up because they're they're in a, in a tough race for that number one seed as they don't hold the tiebreaker with Green Bay. Um, number three, Bucks. I've been saying all year, they're really good. They're title contenders. I'm so high on Brady this season. He's, um, he's in the MVP discussion. And uh, like I said, overall, just really good list this week. Yeah, I really like the list as well. Um, I'm not being biased here. Obviously, with Kansas City, I know you said they're back. I'm not so sure they are. I know four-game winning streak is really nice. I will say in the one game they did, uh, they beat the Packers to kind of start off that winning streak. The Packers were without Aaron Rodgers, which also makes a huge difference. But I'm not saying that they still played a very good game. The Chiefs had a really good defense. I think their defense has looked phenomenal in the past couple games. I will say, however, do not be surprised if the Broncos upset the Chiefs Sunday night. I just feel like that could happen. Happen. I, yeah, I feel like that could happen. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes has looked good. I just am still not sold on them being the best AFC team. I think the Bills could still possibly edge that out. But still, a couple of games to go here. There's 18 weeks now, so obviously a lot can happen. Uh, with New England, man, Bill Belichick, he pulled a fast one, making Mac Jones his starting quarterback this year. I did not, I never thought that this was going to pay out. How about this? 2,850 yards for 16 touchdowns. Mac Jones has been very, very good for this team. New England, we were talking about it, I know, right before Thanksgiving break with Tennessee Titans. Which one was going to be the top AFC team? Well, I think we know right now who it is. New England demolished the Titans, and I thought that was going to be a very good close game, but the Patriots really played good. Mac Jones, two touchdowns for 310 yards played very, very good. With Tampa Bay, this team's going to be very scary now. 8-3 and three record, obviously. They got Rob Gronkowski back. We know what he can do in the red zone. Tom Brady, obviously, coming up here shortly is going to be another MVP segment, and Tom Brady definitely in that running this year again. Leonard Fournette has looked very, very good behind of Ronald Jones. They've just still been very, very talented. With the Cardinals, this is where it gets me. The Cardinals, man, they started off so hot and obviously still so good. Well, there's so been good. injuries. That's what I was going to say. They started off so good. It just 
just it, that's the thing I just don't, don't get. They've been so good, even without Kyler Murray. Colt McCoy has looked very good. 35 for 44 in his last game for two touchdowns and 328 yards. James Conner, and I know you, you're saying like Christian Christian Kirk, these guys are going to be back. The Devonte, uh, not Devonte Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins are going to be very back. They're going to be back very soon. Zach Ertz, AJ Green. This team is going to be very good once at full healthy. And obviously, then you got my Green Bay Packers, which is very very good. And here's the thing, guys. They're not even at full health, and they've been this good. You said it already, Luca. They go out and they beat the Arizona Cardinals without Devontae Adams, a guy that has really stuck out to me this year for the Green Bay Packers. Is the signing of Randall Cobb, tied with touchdown, with ties for the most touchdowns for Green Bay right now, with Devontae Adams and five touchdowns. He has been phenomenal. The defense has looked amazing. Russell Douglas, who would have thought? Big, big interception to win the game in Arizona, and then a big takeover turnover in uh, in the LA game and this defense has just been rolling I'm expecting them to keep on rolling they got a bye this week then they're gonna steamroll your Chicago Bears Luca and then they're just they just been so good and I can't wait for them to be at full health can I say something go ahead I was being nice with this list, and then you come out with a remark like that. Can we acknowledge that they will steamroll the Chicago Bears, okay? You don't need to make my weekend already worse when they're going to get steamrolled by the Cardinals this weekend, okay? Sadly, that steamrolling will take place on a national audience on Sunday Night Football. Has a Sunday Night Football game for the Bears at Lambeau ever went well? It always seems like it's like 40 to nothing It goes well, really. Is that why they lost by like 20 last year? Is no, I'm way? saying, has it ever gone well for the Bears? No, it never yes, will. It feels like it's always halftime, and we see Rodgers don't play like this entire second half because they're up by 40 points. Oh, you know, I, you know, it, it's so hard to be nice to these these Packers, but whatever. Um, we're gonna move on now. Um, so Ben, let's get to your segment now here, the NBA. There has been a lot of stuff going on lately in the NBA. Obviously, the officiating lately for the New York Knicks has been very questionable. I will just leave it there. Um, and then you got other teams like, oh, I don't know, the Phoenix Suns winning 18 in a row. They beat the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors, not back-to-back nights, but in back-to-back games, which is something that is very interesting. You got D-Book, you got DeAndre Ayton, you got Chris Paul, you got all these dudes. So let me ask you a question here. They've won 18 in a row, and they've beaten really good teams. Are they legitimate title contenders right now? Without a doubt, legitimate title contenders, which it's crazy that a question has to be asked because they were in the NBA Finals last year. But just coming into the season, it felt like so much of the talk went to the Warriors going to be back at full health. They can compete. The Lakers are are forming a super team. Uh, what, what do the Clippers do with Paul George and an injured Kawhi Leonard? And not as much talk about the Suns. It was all like, oh, the Suns only made it last year because they had an easy path to the finals. No, this Suns team is really good. And an 18-game winning streak, which does not happen very often, I feel like this has to be one of like the least talked about streaks. I... I, I knew they were winning a lot of games, but up until a couple days ago, I had no clue that they were still on this long winning streak. They started out 1-2 and two on the season, and now they're sitting here at 19-3, and three, which is absolutely remarkable. In that game against the Warriors on Tuesday night, they had Steph Curry in, in prison. He was 4-for-21. Yeah. They had him on an island. 
Um, and in a season where Steph Curry at, at this point would be my MVP, he has been awesome, and they just had him locked up. This this Suns team is really good. Um, Booker does have a minor hamstring injury, but it's not expected to miss more than a couple games. But regardless of that, they have six players averaging over 10 a game. It's a really deep roster. CP3 is averaging a double-double, just continuing what he does has done his entire career. Aiden continues to take step forward as he's in year four, I believe, and he just continues to get better. So this, this is a really good team that can compete as they showed on Tuesday night with the best teams in the West, like the Warriors. They've already... I. I don't know if they've played the Lakers yet. I mean, the Lakers may not even be a contender anyway with the, with the way they've been playing. They so did far play the season. Lakers on October 22nd. Okay. So. Hey, ben, can I ask something real quick? Tonight, the Suns play the Warriors at 9 yeah. p.m. Does Steph Curry get his revenge on them? Um, he shoots better than four for twenty-one. I think that's that's <laughs> yeah, pretty that's certain. Because I really hope so. <laughs> yeah, that I, I think that's for sure. This game should be another really good game. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Steph has a pretty decent night. Um, 30-ish points, and okay. actually, I'm as, as much as I'm high on the Suns, the Warriors will probably get the win tonight because, like I said, no Devin Booker. Um, that He's obviously the, that, that Suns team's number one. But regardless of that, um, this is a Suns team that will compete for anywhere from a seed to one to three heading into the playoffs. And especially, they they have they have a pretty good home atmosphere. If you're facing this team in Phoenix in in any certain round, it's going to be tough to beat them. So, I mean, if we were to get a Suns uh, Warriors Western Conference Finals, man, that was that would be a fantastic series. All right, well, let me ask you a question here. Um, we're going to do a very different segment here. Usually, I give my top five teams in the NFL, but Ben's going to take some reins here, and he's going to give his top five teams in the NBA it's, right now. It's my turn to get in on the list. I'm not going to be. I, I don't have the. Full that you do with your NFL list. Um, it's, 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 I, I won't have that, but I will have, I, I hope is a pretty good list this week. Okay. So, um, starting off, uh, number five, we got the Utah Jazz at 14 and seven, third in the West. This is a team that quietly every year just goes about their business and seems when it's all said and done to be in that top four seed. Um, they're nine and two in conference games, so they can win with those other competitive teams in the West, led by Donovan Mitchell as always. But this is another, like, like the Suns, a really good roster. If you look up and down, there's five and five to six players on this team that I really love, really good. You can talk about Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson was sixth man of the year. MIZ, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Mizzou grad. So uh, this, 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 this Jazz team is good. They're 14-7, and seven and they'll only continue to be involved as the season goes on. Number four, the Milwaukee Bucks. On our last show, Luca, you asked me, should we be concerned about the Bucks' slow start? And I said, no, they're going to turn, turn it on. Well, look at us now. They have won eight in a row, the Bucks have. This, this, is, uh, this is a team that kind of just had to deal with some injuries, the COVID thing with Chris Middleton. Now they're really starting to turn it on. Giannis just continues... He's another guy that will be in an MVP conversation, like always, as the year comes to an end. And I, I don't see any reason why the, the Milwaukee Bucks can't find themselves back in the Eastern Conference Finals competing with potentially the Nets or the Heat or any of the other top Eastern Conference contenders. So this Bucks team has turned it on, uh, I, and I expect them to be either the one or two seed when it's all said and done. Number three, my other uh, team in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets at 15-6, and six, the current first team in the East. I don't think they need Kyrie Irving because this roster has a much better bench than it did last year when Kyrie was hurt in the playoffs, and KD and Harden are figuring it out. Harden had a slow start to the season, but he is starting to turn it on, and then obviously KD does what KD does. He is playing a lot of minutes. That worries me a little bit as because that's a guy that's just basically two years removed from a major injury. But regardless... Um, despite no Kyrie, with the top two duo of uh, KD and Harden and a deeper bench this year, I love the addition of Patty Mills for that team. I think this is a Nets team that has a shot to beat Milwaukee this year. I know they lost in seven, but this Nets team is is improved I, in my eyes, despite the fact that they lost their starting point guard. 
And at, at 15 and 6 right now, there's there's no reason why they could not be the first seed in, in the East. So we get to 2 and 1, the two t- other teams in the West. I'm sure everyone can kind of know what two teams are going to. Number two right now, I'm going to go the Warriors, despite them being the first seed in the West for most of the season. They're at 18 and 3. They have a chance to overtake the Phoenix Suns again tonight, um, who I'll get to in a second. Steph, like I said a minute ago, is probably my MVP right now. They're getting Clay and Wiseman back from injury later this month. And this, this team, um, I've, there's a comment theme with these top five teams all have really deep rosters and that's why you need to win a championship you can't rely on just your starters you need a good solid uh 10, 10 players, uh, so that way you, you can have some bench presence. And Jordan Poole is also a stud for the Warriors. He has continued to develop in what he's also in year three or four. He just has steadily improved as his career has gone on. Him, Clay, uh, Steph, Wiseman, Draymond in the lineup at the same time is going to be so much fun to watch. And the Warriors, like I said, it could be a team that competes with maybe a Suns team or any other contender in the West for a, a championship. And then number one, it is the Phoenix Suns at 18-3. and three. Booker continues to be great. With with 23 a game, um, they won't. They or they do want to avenge that, that title loss um, last year. They were up two nothing against the Bucks and then didn't win another game. So um, they're they're hungry, and that's that's never a bad thing. You see title teams take a step back because it's like, okay, is the hunger still there? Well, it's the opposite here for the Suns. They lost in that final, so there's they have totally something to play for. They are looking to avenge that loss, and I see no reason why they can't keep this winning streak going. Although I said it ends tonight, but they're still going to rack up a ton of wins. Okay, <clears throat> there's only uh, this list is very good. Don't get me wrong. The flair, there's no flair there. However, no. Um, I will say this: I do like the list as a to- in total. However, I disagree with number five, the Utah okay. Jazz. The reason I disagree is because there's already a team that beat them in the Eastern Conference in the Chicago Bulls that already beat them. And uh, so far, Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch is getting more involved. This team is dangerous. It is without a doubt dangerous. And I, I actually texted you guys on uh, Saturday. I, I was Nikola Vucevic did not have a good game against the Miami Heat, and I said this man is not playing well, and he has turned it around in the previous two games. They had a nice win against the Knicks. Um, with the Chicago Bulls, without a doubt, could be a top-five team right now. The one thing that worries me a tiny bit is every every so couple games they kind of slip back into that Bulls team of the previous couple years where they just absolutely implode in the second half. They are the Rockets, one of the Rockets' two wins this season, so that was not impressive. That never happened. Yeah. No, that never let's, happened. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. But I, I completely <clears throat> agree with you, Luca. The Bulls, without a doubt, could be a top-five team. Um, I think right now you have Bucks, Nets, Warriors, and Suns as your elite Tier 1 group. Oh, absolutely. And then it's just everyone else. Absolutely. So I agree with you. They're, they're on another level. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you, Luca. Um, I am going to give props to Ben, though, for not putting them on you because I have been watching them quite a bit, and at times they forget how to play defense, especially against that Knicks game where I think they were up by like 20 at one point, and they literally let the Knicks come right back. Now, again, 20 points is kind of nothing in the NBA because a lot of teams don't play defense. And then obviously, Ben, I'm going to be just be sitting here waiting until my Charlotte Hornets make you a list, but uh, gosh, gosh, gosh only knows how long that will Bull, be. Bulls beat He's the not Charlotte even a real Hornets, Hornets fan. <laughs> He's not even a real Hornets Sorry, fan. Let me rephrase it. I was sitting here waiting until Mike Lamelo. There yeah, we, we go. go. That's better. <laughs> right now, Lonzo has the edge. I, Lamelo put up better stats tonight, but Lonzo got the win, and that's all that matters. Oh yeah. A no, and then uh, sorry, I just want to say one last thing about the Bucks, and that is going to be the last game they face against the Hornets. Really good game, man. Fantastic. And Gian- Giannis is just so good. I I really thought that game was going to go into overtime. What a three pointer that was from Lamelo at basically obviously I think there's 15 seconds left, and then they just give Giannis the ball, and he just runs down and scores it's, the point. That that Lamelo shot is the same shot that all of us have been watching him take. 
take since he was a freshman in high school where he's like two steps across half court and puts up a contested three and then it just goes in because yeah. he's just so talented. And then you want to talk about, I'm not sure if you watched the game, but Miles Bridges nearly called game. That thing went in and out. It at did. The I, it was it, right after the Giannis play. They got, what, two seconds left yeah. and no timeout. So they have to take the, the basically three-quarter. Uh, maybe maybe he got to half court. I don't remember. But either way, he chucked it up yeah. and it was halfway down. Man, that would have been that would have been, that would have been the perfect way for that game to end yeah. just because it was madness from start to finish. All right, we're going to head to break, everyone. And when we get back from break, we're going to head into more NFL coverage. Who is the MVP thus far in this season? We'll be right back with you on Around the Waves, KCOU 88.1 FM. The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Oh, man. What's up, y'all? This is Whitmer from Nerdtastic, and you're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. And welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. The student voice of your Missouri Tigers. I'm Luca Vitale. Alongside me are Ben Schmidt and Ryan Waltzman. We're going to head into more NFL coverage here. The 2021 NFL season has been even more predictable than usual. While we're finally starting to get an idea who the top teams are, not really, the playoff race is very much unsettled. If the season ended today, guys, the Washington football team and the San Francisco 49ers would be both in the postseason. Three weeks ago, those two teams were a combined 5-11. and 11. So, Ryan, I'll start with you here. Who do you think is going to win the NFL MVP? Yeah, there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there, um, but I'm going to go Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has played very well for the Bills this year. 7-4, and four, obviously he has um, 11 touchdowns at home. He's been very good at home. This Bills team has also just been pretty good as of late. I think that they'll maybe score, uh, maybe win a couple more games and be the top AFC team. But again, Patriots, very scary. It'll be exciting to see what happens Monday night as they face the Patriots. I believe that game might be at home in Buffalo. I could be wrong about that. It's in Buffalo. It's yeah. in Buffalo, so that that's another thing where Josh Allen has the edge there. 25 touchdowns already projected for 36. I just think that he has been very, very good this year, and he's just going to keep getting better and better. That's not a terrible NFL MVP candidate. However, I am going to disagree with that simply because Josh Allen, the last couple of games, has been very shaky, and I'm pointing to the Jacksonville Jaguars game where he looked absolutely clueless out there. Um, my MVP, guys, um, is not a quarterback. It's not a quarterback. And my MVP is Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Indianapolis Colts. I believe he's going to become the first non-quarterback candidate or first non-quarterback to win MVP since Adrian Peterson in 2012. And, uh, yes, go Vikings for Ben. Um, First of all, Jonathan Taylor is something special. Okay, The Indianapolis Colts are the same team that drafted him the year that Marlon Mack had a 1,000-yard season. That is a risk to take. 
And boy, did it pay off. This is a dude that had 97 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown with only 16 carries, okay? This dude leads the NFL in 255 touchdowns. It helps that Derrick Henry's on the shelf for Jonathan Taylor to be leading like this. He has 1,205 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. This dude has the longest run of the season, 83 yards. With Nick Chubb, he's, out, he's averaging 5.8 yards a carry. And this dude is able to make the Indianapolis Colts offense two-dimensional as opposed to just Carson Wentz, who is rebounding from just historically bad in Philadelphia the last couple of years. Carson Wentz is able to play at his pace. Jonathan Taylor's the focal point of that offense right now, in my opinion. And with his ability, with his just using his strength, getting through the offensive line, helping him out, being able to be involved in the passing game like Christian McCaffrey is, in my opinion, Jonathan Taylor, I believe he's going to surpass 2,000 rushing yards this year. I believe he's going to have over 500 receiving yards, and I believe he's going to have 25 touchdowns ending this season. Jonathan Taylor is winning MVP in my book. Well, I, ben, I'm sorry. you got to talk about the five-touchdown game he had. Yes, and the five—thank you. I forget, thank you. Yeah, this dude had five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. This dude is insane, and he's very good in fantasy, by the way. Oh. So, in my opinion—yeah, Jonathan Taylor, you got to—I'm picking him. You bring up fantasy. As a as a Jonathan Taylor owner in multiple leagues, I love that pick. Uh, and it would not surprise me whatsoever if he's in the conversation. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's, he's getting close to some of the numbers that Adrian put up in that MVP season when he fell nine yards shy of Eric Dickerson's record so um, I love that pick I'm not it's not gonna be my pick I'm gonna go with Rodgers I know both of you said you don't believe he's in that conversation yet but what he has done the last two games against the Rams last week and the Vikings week before most times when you put up the 300 something yards and four touchdowns that he put on the Vikings you win that football game the Green Bay defense just didn't do enough for him so he's impressed me a ton the last two weeks playing through injury that bye week this week is going to help Rodgers out a lot um, he's nine and two as a starter so if you want to look at being valuable to your team look how they looked against the Kansas City Chiefs I'm confident that the way that Chiefs team was playing at the time, if Rodgers in that game, uh, the, the Green Bay Packers win that one at Arrowhead and the Packers the number one seed right now. So they're going to be battling it out all year long. And potentially if they get that number one spot, we can see Rodgers win a second MVP in a row. He's been awesome this year. And I, I just can't. I, I think he's at the very least going to be in that top three discussion come February. All right. And for our three MVP candidates right there, obviously it's going to probably change as the season goes on. But on to NHL now for Ryan St. Louis Blues. Beach Navis is coming down the ice. He's got it at the point. He passes it off to Ivan Barbashev. Barbashev over to Tarasenko. Tarasenko shoots. He scores. Vladimir Tarasenko with a goal. Please tell me why your blues are so bad. How about them blues, baby? Um, I'll tell you right now. First off, let's go to the injury report for the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Bennington has COVID. Justin Folk has COVID. Bozak is injured. James Neal, another guy I believe who has COVID. Peron is injured. Kostin, injured. And then uh, Krug and Shen, both injured. Huso, COVID. O'Reilly, I believe COVID as well. And Saad, also out. A lot of these guys are key people key people for this team. And then, obviously, first off, let's just talk about that beautiful guy who you just heard in that uh, beautiful broadcast, and Pavel, Pavel Bushnevich, who has been very, very good for the St. Louis Blues. What a pickup that was. He has been phenomenal. 
And you know what the Blues have done that I really love? Obviously, being born in Russia, they have an all-Russian line of Tarasenko, Bushnevich, and Barbashev. And obviously, that call was from one of the goals of that Russian line. And Bushnevich, nine goals. Let's talk about Tarasenko, his other buddy. Seven goals. And I know Luka wants to say this so bad. Oh, he's going to get injured soon. But Tarasenko has looked really good. He really has. And, uh, you know, he also has 12 assists. But they're missing guys like David Perron, you know, O'Reilly, Fall. Hulk is a really good defenseman who they're missing, and they also missed him last night in the loss to the Lightning. Let's talk about the last couple of games for the St. Louis Blues, shall we? Our loss to Lightning 4-2 last night. Really, Huso was in net, and obviously I know Luca likes him. I love this dude, too. And a funny story for all the Blues fans that didn't know this. In 2019, Huso was going to be the man to get called up, but he was injured at the time. So Jordan Bennington got that call, and obviously the rest is history as they won the Stanley Cup. And then Tuesday, they did beat the Lightning 4-3 in a shootout. What a game that was. I fell down 3 nothing very early and in one of the weirdest goals I've ever seen. I think one of the Lightning players just shoots it from the face-off, hits the wall, hits the board rather, and five holes Bennington to go in. It was one of the weirdest goals I've ever seen. Down 3 nothing early, but this is a Blues team that comes back. They fight, and they were able to tie it up and win it in a shootout. They then go on and beat the Blue Jackets 6-3, to a pounding there. Lose to the Blackhawks in overtime, unfortunately. You know, that's, funny. that's funny what you say. That's funny what you just said. Because you said they come back from the Lightning, right? I recall the St. Louis Blues having a two to nothing lead in that game. I'm, uh, I must be I must be not memoring correctly because I could have sworn the Blues had a two nothing lead, and I could have sworn that the that the St. Louis Blues were a better team. I must be mistaken. Yeah, no, the Blues did have a two nothing lead. You're right. I was at work that day, so I did miss it. But I, I could be on. Did Brinkett get the game winner? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And Kane to Taze or Kane to Kane yeah, to baby. Yeah, and then uh, the game after that, another sad one for the Blues as they drop it to the Detroit Red Wings four to two. And then after that, it would be the last game I'll talk about. They beat the Golden Knights five to two. Now, in some of these games, they were without certain good players, but this is still a Blues team that's in second place. You know, they're still very good. The the Wild have just scorched this year. They have been very good, deserving of that number one spot. Tomorrow, they play a very, very good Panthers team at 12 o'clock p.m. It's an afternoon game for the Blues, which is very odd to see, but the Panthers have been phenomenal at home, and they it's going to be a very tough task for the St. Louis Blues, and it could even be a game where Charlie Lindgren starts for the St. Louis Blues after Vili Cuso played last night. Wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, but uh, maybe it will. Who knows? But Blues, really, this man in the story has been banged up. That Russian line has been phenomenal for them, and We'll see if they can get it done uh, in Florida tomorrow in the afternoon. All right, for my Chicago fans. Yossi breaks toward the net, but batted away from Lankinen. Here comes a counterattack from Hawks, a 2-on-1. DeBrinkett's got possession of the puck. He's got Kane with him on the near end. Feeds Kane. Back across the gate. He shoots. Stars! Hawks win! Hawks win! All right, that is just music to my ears. Okay, first things first. This Chicago Blackhawks team has looked a much better underneath Derrick King. Um, I got to give props to Derrick King here. I love his press conferences. I mean, this dude's hilarious. Um, and he looks like Walter White, too, from uh, Breaking Bad. So this dude, I mean, he's done a very nice job. Something that Jeremy Colleton did not do that Derrick King has done a very nice job of is adjusting the lines. That is something you need to do on a consistent basis, which Jeremy Colleton clearly did not do. 
Dylan Strom was always in his doghouse, never played the dude, never given a chance, and Dylan Strom has actually played really good. Shocking. So um, we look at this Blackhawks team lately. The Sharks, they were robbed in that game, in my opinion. I got to give props and love to James Reimer on the Sharks. He played a really nice game there. Um, Last night they played the Washington Capitals. Um, They showed out. They played a very good game. I loved the aggression of Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane last night. Jonathan Taze, where are you? You have not done anything this year besides win puck draws. Um, I got to give love to Dominic Kubelik. This dude has gone through one hell of a dry spell. I mean, this dude hasn't scored in 15 games. Broke that last night on a power play goal, which the Hawks have been 1-for-30 on the power play lately. That's not great at all. But they scored. That makes me happy. Um, they beat a very good team in the Washington Capitals. That's a really good team. Ben said that in the beginning of the season. This dude don't even know hockey. Um, so it's very good to see that. Vidic Vanacek, he played a really good game last night, but the flower came out superior in that shootout. Um, I got to give love for the Blackhawks calling up Josiah Slavin. This dude looked brilliant last night. His ability to pass the puck at the right moments, the right time. He's really good with the saucer passing, I I gotta add. Has really good speed, his endurance. I really like it. He has really good poise as well. So when I look at the Chicago Blackhawks in its totality right now, they are still a very subpar team in my book, but it doesn't help when you start the season 1-9-2. and Doesn't help. And at this rate, they're going to have to go on a humongous winning streak to even get back in the playoff picture because it's a lot of so far win one, lose one, win two, lose one. It's a lot of that. So it doesn't help. Uh, they play a very good New York Rangers team. Igor Shostarkin and Alexander Georgiev, very, very, very good goaltenders. And the New York Rangers are a very good team. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Blackhawks' defense it took a step back. Seth Jones, I got to show love for that guy. He has played amazing these last couple of games. The defense picking it up for Flower. And I got to admit, the Hawks, it's been a tough season so far, but they're starting to build a little bit more identity on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, and the hiring of Dave King has just been very good for well, you guys. Well, it wasn't really a hiring. It was the firing of Jeremy yeah. Colleton. But, yeah, that's just been phenomenal for you guys. And I know it's a very, very long season still. And, honestly, Luca, I could see the Hawks pushing into that fourth spot towards the end of the season. I think they're a good good enough team to do it. See, I know this that- is what he does. This is what he does every year. He he, he gets my hopes up. And I, I just, but I'm you, hurt. you got to hope that, too. He's, a, he's an optimistic man. Yeah, very up. Opt- One more time. He is an optimistic man. I say this time with a mic on. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's hard because I know it's coming for Jordan Bennington. I know it's coming. I wrote a column, by the way, with the top three Vesna candidates. If it was October, Jordan Bennington would have been in that article. But of course, it's Jordan Bennington. He he's got to find a way to sort of get Blues fans' hopes up and then absolutely fall off a cliff. Which he it's coming. I know it is. It's not this. It's not January yet. So it there's time. I like I said, Ryan. I told you I like Billy Huso a lot. He. He has shown up this year. The fit, I love Finn people. I, I love the Finn. Um, I got to admit, though, uh, obviously UC Soros is a better goaltender in my book. But um, Huso has just played better. And I am not sure why Lindgren would play tonight when you can give Huso more time in the net. Because that's what I want to see. If I'm a Blues fan, I want to see Huso start more. Because 
I think he's better than Bennington because who the hell has a 2-0 lead in the second period, doesn't show up in the third period, and think you're going to win in a shootout? I mean, you really think you're going to win a game like that? Yeah, and also it, they do play, they play them all on that tonight, but it's the Panthers, so I feel like Huso has to play. I mean, yeah, so get... obviously Huso is going to play a really tough Panthers yeah. team. Do I expect this dude to get a shout out? No, I do not. Obviously, his, his goals against average is probably going to balloon a little bit tomorrow. Um, but because uh, you got Barkov, you got Huberdo, you got Ekblad, Yandel, I mean Bennett. I mean these dudes are going to get to the net. I understand the Blues defense is very good. Don't get me wrong. But, like, when you got an offense like that, good luck. Yeah, and uh, I think the Panthers also have, like, 11 or 12 straight wins at home. So it's yes. they've been phenomenal at home. All right. On that end, we're going to end today's show. Everyone, thanks for tuning in on Around the Waves, KCOU 88.1 FM. Um, Ryan and I will be at the Washington Park Ice Arena tomorrow night calling Mizzou Hockey at the Arkansas Razorbacks. You can listen here on Studio A's stream tomorrow at 6 o'clock when Puck draws. And we'll see you all next Friday. What does your smile say about you? Are you happy? Confident? Friendly? Getting and keeping that smile takes work. 